You're listening to episode 72 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism of the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. I'm Andrew. And I'm Eli. Andrew. Yes. How are you hanging? Are you hanging? We are hanging in there. I saw a headline yesterday that said Americans are getting quarantine fatigue, and I really related. It doesn't relate to where they are. It's just like that you're American. They're like, me too. Is that about expats, Americans everywhere? Or Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing okay. We're on, Quarantine. I think, six weeks, six, that we've basically been staying at home. And, I mean, honestly, it's oh, been better gosh. overall than I expected. But we're definitely... Really? Yeah, we're feeling the grind a little bit. What is your grind like? Let's. So we're going to be talking about COVID here in the North Caucasus today. We have sort of nothing really new to share on one hand because everyone on most parts of the earth are going through some version of this, but we want to share some of the local flavor and what it's like and um, some really cool things that are happening in the midst of it locally. But I just want to hear from you, Andrew. What is life in the Andrew household like in quarantine? Oh, well... Um, oh, that sums it up right there. <laughs> where to start? <laughs> Deep sigh. <laughs> I mean, anybody who has uh, small children definitely understands that uh, routine is is key in these situations. Children in general need routine. We're just trying to structure our lives so everybody can stay sane. Um, so in Pitigorsk, uh, initially... It wasn't very strict. It was basically like recommended stay at home kind of deal. Um, The last two weeks have been like official quarantine for the city, stay at home. Um, But we basically now for six weeks have been staying at home, uh, doing every other day, going to the nearby grocery store and basically trash runs. And we've occasionally like, done a little we'll, we'll take our kids to the dumpster and then early on when it wasn't as you mean to strict drop off, to drop off trash it's sort of bas- so. basically it's like me and my young two-year-old son's thing now as we take the trash out every day probably good for everyone involved yeah so i mean honestly our daughters have been pretty happy being at home uh they understand why we have to do it but our two-year-old of course doesn't understand right. and he's just so active and crazy so we're trying to like Take, oh, it's take, it's excruciating. Yeah, yeah, and I am thankful we have a good size apartment. Uh, uh, there's the chance to run around in here. Well, that reminds me. Did you read about the Russian guy who ran around his bed for a hundred kilometers? Wow, no. <laughs> so this is a guy who was training for an ultra marathon in like Egypt or something. I don't know. For like it was like a two hundred odd kilometer ultra marathon he was going to do which adds up to approximately way too many miles but anyway um <laughs> no i think i think it, um i think a marathon is 50 kilometers so this is like way crazy uh, probably 100 wow. miles anyway and so he put on so he's like super runner man and he has to keep his so he put on a fitbit thing and pulled his bed out from the wall and just took videos of himself periodically jogging in his little socks 
with music playing. His kids are like on his shoulders from he's just going real slow, but <laughs> he went for like eight hours or something. So if you think you're restless, at least wow. you're not married to him. And I mean you out there. Yeah, our two-year-old um is the same. He like is happy, but he's so much energy. And the thing is, our kitchen window looks down, we're on the second story, looks right down to the playground. <laughs> <laughs> and we do send start we do send our kids out there. They're not allowed to play on the equipment, but they can bike around or run around. Yeah. And so he sees them out there and he'll just stand at the window with his hands on the window and just like yell to them like, Hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey guys. Yeah, our oh. our routine is kinda like that. We we were already homeschooling our uh fourth grader and so we just added our uh kindergartner into it. But it leaves the the lower two, the younger two, kind of at loose ends for much of the morning. Yeah. And the creative destruction that they wreak <laughs> on their bedroom is really amazing. I mean, we have rules now like you must ask to build a fort. You must ask to move any furniture. <laughs> you must ask to like take water anywhere. I mean, all these, you know, it's like there's tea parties and there's, and it feels so ridiculous, but things get so blown up so fast with all these little people all in the same place all the time. So we have to just like, yeah, have to curtail it a bit for the sake you, of sanity. Uh, using the word creative, you put a positive spin on it. My wife would definitely agree with the word destruction. I really though. spun that, man, <laughs> spinning it. So what are you doing to escape quarantine mentally, emotionally, Andrew? Uh, what are your outs I mean, or your outlets? I mean, I know you can't leave, but. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely, I think in general, been in virtual contact with more people than normal just because we're not seeing anybody. You know, aside, we're definitely seeing our right. neighbors more than more than often just because everybody's home you know, on the way right. to and from somewhere. But we've been more in contact with uh, family, friends back home, which has been nice. Uh, I had uh, – I'm a huge sports fan, and it was really sad to me when pretty much all the major sports events for 2020 were canceled. And so one thing my my daughters and I did was we wrote out the entire bracket of the 2020 Euro Cup <laughs> – the the football soccer tournament in Europe, and we played out the entire tournament oh in our hallway using only dice. How did you play it? We out? played with we would do five minute matches with two balls. It was oh Elise and gosh, Hannah Andrew. versus me, and we played through the entire bracket. I mean, we it, we had to do like single elimination and you know all that stuff and tweak some things here and there to make it work. But I think we played twenty one matches total, and shocker of shockers. Bosnia and Herzegovina came out on top. Oh, see? So, <laughs> it was really fun. It was educational. We were like... Bet your money wasn't on Bosnia-Herzegovina, guys. Uh, by the way, their Russia, their language is very similar to Russian. I don't know if you've ever heard, heard it, but it is very similar. We were singing national anthems. We were learning flag designs. It was really fun. Oh, my gosh. This is really great. And 21 rounds didn't get tiring for your girls to just kick the bat, ball back and forth in the hallway? They actually picked up steam as we did it. And they were like, towards the end, we're like, Dad, let's play two matches today. I mean, they were really into it. It, it was uh, fun. Andrew, I think that that has a sheen of brilliance on it. That's really great. I really love it. Good job. Yeah. So now we're, <laughs> it's over. We're looking for our next uh, thing to distract us. <laughs> Excellent. 
I um I've initiated a few, including with you, a few evening uh, balderdash games on Zoom. So I have this dictionary full of crazy words, real words, but crazy words, and That's I scan awesome. the pages and I email them to everyone, and then we do like uh, we had like ten people last or eight. That people was really fun, time. and you know making up definitions. That's good. Yeah. Well, why don't we give, do you want to give kind of, why don't we work through some points here? I think just for our listeners, they'll be really interested in what actually is happening here in the region. Sure. With COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, the the overall situation, if you're following uh, kind of the number of cases in the world, Russia is, is increasing pretty rapidly. Um, they passed 100,000 cases this week. Um, and so we're kind of in the top 10 in the world, just that all that to say, like it is, it's really serious here, you know? Yep, definitely. Um, the stats in the caucuses specifically are harder to come by, but it is, uh, increasing here and different. Honestly, every single Republic here is responding differently. What has it been like there in Dagestan? Dagestan has been a real mixed bag. Uh, probably more than Pitygorsk, it, uh, here in Mahachkala, it was a real slow ramp up into serious response, and it's been really right. unclear. So we, with some friends, have been covering, we have a text group, and we're just looking at every news source that we can find. And um, in terms of the numbers and the stats, things are growing by fits and starts because of the way the statistics are gathered for a long time. They were doing a double positive test that they had to send to Moscow before they could control. It's just a really long lag and delay. So like everywhere, the numbers, they're not entirely meaningless, but they are hard to base anything on because you don't have a common denominator. You don't know anything about the general population and all this and who they test and how, and is all very um, selective. But I would say several weeks ago, a few, probably two, three weeks ago, there was a, like a firm quarantine that lasted about two and a half days. Yeah. We, we witnessed it when they put police tape around the playground outside our house. And then like three days later, the children marched on the playground <laughs> and like tore the tape down. And that was that. And to this hour, people are just out using the playground. And t- huh. <laughs> so that was a little discouraging because we wanted people to take it more seriously. A lot of people don't know what to believe. They have an, a pre-existing suspicion of government. Um, they have yeah, kind of in general, and it's not always negative, but there is a resistance to outside influence here of any yeah. form. So. Right. You know, and that starts like at the border of Dagestan, like outside of Dagestan influence, including Moscow, and then beyond that, outside of Russia influence. And so anything that is perceived as an incoming foreign idea or thing just has a certain uh, corpus of people who are like, nah, you know. But in, in the last couple of weeks, the numbers have ticked up, the deaths have increased, and people, many people are pretty scared. And so, you know, in the same day, I talked to someone sitting on our, uh, at the door, at the doorway of our uh, entry, at our entryway, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you're wearing your mask. Yeah, I don't really believe it." And then I also, I have, this was a few weeks ago. I went to a notary, and she's like, "I'm closing down today. You're my last client." <laughs> she sprayed my hands with disinfectant. Huh. She sprayed the money she gave me with disinfectant, and wow. then she like closed down shop. So, um, legally, 
all the public places are closed, like restaurants, stores, yeah. only, you know, pick up, drop off. Um, and this last week, the police stops around the city have multiplied by five, probably. Wow. Okay. So I, I went to get pick up, uh, take out the other night, sushi, and I had to turn on my map app and look where the roads were green. If they were yellow, there were probably people being stopped. So right. I sort of noodled through back roads. Huh. So, um, and I got stopped twice anyway on that, on that uh, drive. Huh. Gotcha. But the sushi got you through, huh? We got the sushi. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Honestly, every republic has been different. Here in Pitigorsk, uh, it was uh, one of the first cities in all of Russia after Moscow to declare like official lockdown. And they blocked off some of the entrances to the city, uh, only letting people in who had an official city issued permit. We actually have a Russian friend who lives in India and she texted my wife and said, Hey, I saw on the news that Pitygorsk is locked down. Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) From India. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but inside the city, it's not as strict, but yeah, they are issuing, you have to get a pass if you're going to drive around the city. Um, it doesn't seem like they're enforcing quite as strictly inside the city though. And then honestly, every Republic has been different. I've been talking with some of my business colleagues and friends. Kabardino balkoria it doesn't sound like it's very strict. Uh, Chechnya has been the most kind of strictly enforced. Yeah. But Assetia, Ingushetia as well. Ingushetia, they've tried to set more kind of standards in place. But like you said, like a lot of people either don't believe it or don't take it as seriously. Um, and so it's been hard to enforce things top down. You know, what? what is interesting, maybe interesting is not the right word. One of the more telling kind of uh, measures for how hard hit one of these republics is, is not cases against population, but cases against tested population. So I'm no, yeah. you know, epidemiologist, just like the rest of us aren't, <laughs> uh, except for those of you who are. But, um, you know, I, I sometimes I think looking at, you know, the cases against the population can be misleading because sometimes a huge amount of the population is being tested and sometimes a lot lower. And so when you right. test, when you, my wife has done an amazing job. Um, she texts our friends every day with the latest stats that she gets from multiple news sites. And um, she's been doing a lot of this math of like, what's the, what's the ratio of, of cases to actual tested population. And in the North Caucasus, Ingushetia is more than double it's really got a bad situation. It's too bad. And oh. um, people don't know exactly what that's attributable to, but it definitely is in a bit more dire straits than the other republics. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like a lot of places, but especially here, um, it just economically, it's hard for people to fathom how are we going to make it if we can't work for two months, you know? Uh, and so... Uh, folks are really trying to come to grips with that. Um, And then the community kind of communal aspect of life here is such a big thing. People are together all the time. And like, I'm not sure what's happening with weddings, but I know for funerals, they're not allowing the traditional um, kind of ceremonies to happen just to keep people apart. And then especially right now, I mean, uh, a couple of weeks ago was Easter in Russia. And so anybody of Christian background uh, could not celebrate that. They couldn't go to a church that day. And many uh, Russian Orthodox go to like cemeteries on sure. Easter. 
and they didn't they weren't allowed to do that. Uh, often people will visit their neighbors and take them like gifts or eggs or mm-hmm. this, uh, this little Russian cake called a kulach, kulich, kulich. Okay. Yeah. But, and then Ramadan is happening right now, which is like the most important month of the year for Muslims all over the world. And right. I mean, mo- mosques are closed right now in the region. Typically every single night of, of Ramadan, uh, Muslims are gathering together, having a meal, breaking the fast together, praying together, and they they can't do that. So yeah, that, I think that's been really hard for people. That's really hitting hitting hard. People hear hard. Like uh, I've been on social media. A lot of folks are are posting stuff about that. Like I saw this. It's just this really kind of mournful video of a guy like trying to greet his friend and then they like stop and wave. And then he turns to like to go to the mosque and it's like all shuttered. And, you know, it's just reflecting this, this grief that a lot of people feel went from this lack of community that we've, we're all experiencing, um, lack of physical community. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely something that our our local friends are struggling with. Huh? Yeah. Um, and honestly, I mean, obviously all over the world, these are struggles people are going through. Um, but yeah, but on the other hand, I think you and I both have seen ways people are trying to just respond positively and kind of, um, be, be present in a positive way in society. Um, so, uh, yeah, like one thing I've noticed is, I mean, just from a business standpoint, the, some, for example, I work in tourism. That has been a big blow to the tour industry here. April, April, May, June are huge months for groups coming through, and obviously nobody's going to be coming here to the region anytime soon. Right. Um, it, why don't you give an update on your GoFundMe? We announced that last time, and um, I want to hear, I want our listeners to hear what's been happening with that. Yeah, the response has been incredible, uh, but ba- basically um, because of travel bans, um, this is a huge blow to anybody working in the Caucasus in tourism, whether they're a guide, uh, whether, you know, they're an administrator in a tour company, a translator, work in a hotel. Um, I mean, sell touristy things like the, there's a lot of people connected to that industry and they're dependent on the peak season, you know? And so we just, you know, that really affected our business as well. And we were just thinking, you know, what, how can we do something positive in this time to make sure this industry doesn't not die per se, but like we really want to support the individuals who make sure. it what it is here in the region. So we basically, we did a started a GoFundMe, uh, kind of a personal fundraiser to help some of the different families in the region who are connected and kind of to tourism and losing that, uh, kind of salary they were expecting in the next couple months. So we set a goal of $5,000 in early April. And man, this week we have raised over $6,000. It's been amazing. I've been so thankful uh, for people's generous response. And so, yeah, it's, it's encouraging. We're starting to uh, look for um, ways to distribute that through some of our business partners, et cetera. So very thankful. uh, If thank you, if, um, you listening were one of those who did give and we're we're leaving giving, we're leaving giving open through May 8th. So it is still open. If you would like to contribute to that, we can leave a link in the show notes for anybody interested. Well, that's just a great example of, of creative, creative ways, people responding. 
There are some other creative ways. Um, I don't know if you heard this, Andrew, but <laughs> the headline says Russian airline launches in-flight meal delivery for quarantined Russians. And I just got to read a little bit of this article. <laughs> As Russians across the country are staying home under coronavirus lockdown measures, Ural Airlines has launched a special service for those who are sick and tired of all those home-cooked meals or just really missing travel. Residents of Moscow, St. Petersburg, and Ural Airlines' home city of Yekaterinburg will now be able to savor the flavor, or lack thereof, of an Ural Airlines in-flight meal delivered directly to their door. No way. <laughs> The old uh, sing, single slice uh, ham sandwich with mayo. Oh and, uh, man, with like and stale lettuce, dense, dense little bread. <laughs> the, the airline said everything is just like it is on a plane, except for the window view. <laughs> that is awesome. And I was like, this has to be an April Fool's thing, and it's not. I checked out the Instagram, and it's real. And you know, it's funny, but it's it's creative, right? I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of it. So all of That's you in funny, Moscow man. and St. Petersburg, for just so you can say you've done it, I feel like you have to order a Ural Airlines <laughs> meal at home. And just That's think, amazing. you won't have to drive through the police checkpoints like I did to go get our <laughs> me- measly meal of fresh sushi. Um, uh. But on a bit more of a of a s- serious note, here in Dagestan. Um, there have been multiple charities leaping into action to yeah. just deliver basic needs. Um, we were acquainted with one and our family was able to, to donate money. I'm mean, part of it. Like we don't have to pay for our kids school this month because right. they're school. So we're, we're able to turn that into uh, food deliveries that they, they find needy families and deliver That's food awesome. for two weeks at a time. And they started with like, a goal of like eight or 12 or something. And they have now, they're now in the multiple hundreds of families that they're serving. They're connected with local governments. And there's, they're, like I said, they're multiple of these, um, these charities, but it's just, it's really amazing. We're watching different, uh, again, everyone posts stuff on Instagram and they're just going nonstop and dropping stuff off. And you can see people's eyes just light up that. Cause I think here it's, it's pretty hard publicly to ask for help in certain ways culturally. And so yeah. just have people come and they like knock on the door and they're like, you called for, you know, they have this whole, the system for signing up. And they're like, yeah, they're like, there it is. Take it. And it's just, you know, no strings attached, just, uh, wow. Giving. And it's the most basic things, you know, like potatoes and onions and eggs and flour. And, right. Yeah. Um, so that's been really cool to see here that that has been a strong and immediate response locally. Yeah, that's awesome. I've I've seen um some folks I follow on Instagram on in Nalchik as well as in Grozny doing the same thing. And like you said, yeah, the need is greater. People are leaping into action to help. So that's that's really yeah. encouraging. Uh businesses are being creative. You know, obviously everybody who's able is trying to move things online. And so I have several uh friends who uh teach English. Um they've been moving their business online. Uh, others, we have a friend here in Pitigorsk who she's a seamstress and she usually does work with like curtains and stuff, but obviously there's a huge demand for masks. And so she has just totally, that's all she's doing now. 
and uh, delivering them to people's homes. That's where we got our masks. That's where we got um, our masks. Not from your lady, but same with us. A, a, a contact right. through our kindergarten. Same thing. She and she charged a buck or so for them. And it was like great. Support her and get some. Ours are black. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've. I mean, we've just noticed on kind of a personal level with our friends. Multiple friends have called us and said, hey, how are you guys doing? Um, we have a permit to drive around the city. Do you need anything? Can we take you anywhere? Like, I mean, that's really meant a lot to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, others have called and said, how's your family doing in the States? I know there's a lot of cases there. Is everybody okay? Um, so there's just been people are really taking the initiative to kind of check in. And even though we can't see each other. Yeah. We, we felt the same thing. People just checking in, asking how we're doing. And, you know, like my dentist texting and saying, Hey, you've got a friend if you need one. Like, I don't think I ever would get a text like that from my dentist (laughs) in the U S that's so awesome. Yeah. I've been checked in on by a lot of people who, I mean, maybe I haven't seen for weeks or months and they're like, yeah, what's up? How's everything? And that's really encouraging. I just feel, even though we're separated, I feel personally, I feel like we're cared for. I mean, it's just, I think that's one thing we want to do with this podcast is show like just the genuine sense of humanity that there is here in the region. Cause you can't always catch that in the news. Um, sure. but like, yeah, we're, that's one thing we're really thankful, thankful for about living here, that, that care. And even with our neighbors, like, um, we, I mean, our apartment building, I feel like is such a, um, what's the word melting pot of the Caucasus. Like mm. there's a, a Chechen family that lives here. Of course there's Russians, primarily Russians. Uh, there's, uh, a Jewish Azerbaijani family. Um, of course we're the Americans, but like <laughs> <laughs> everybody has been, checking in. Oh, there's a Greek family as well. Yeah. Like, wow. We've been seeing each other way more and like people have been very positive towards each other and just making sure all is good. Yeah. I know we have a lot of listeners as well here in the Caucasus. So we really just hope you're staying safe and uh, really wishing the best and health for you and your family and uh, all around the world. Uh, looking forward to when this ends and um, when you guys can come see this region for what it is. It will open up again. That's we'll right. leave links for the stories that we talked about in our show notes. If you want to look at the guy running around his bed for eight hours, <laughs> I, I want or to watch that. If you want to order your very own, your all airline meal, <laughs> uh, that's going to be in the show notes. Um, We're so practical with the things we offer our listeners. Anything Eli. else that could be of use, <laughs> please leave us a review on iTunes. We, Oh, Andrew, we forgot one of the most yes. important things that we learned. This is amazing. Lay it on me. So what did I we finally learn? I finally signed up for a simple podcast statistics chart. So yes. to see where we are in the world, like we just every now and then check and see kind of where we rank, see if we can find ourselves on the Russia I iTunes store, or the US iTunes store, and we're not yeah. usually there. So we exist under all iTunes. There's a subcategory. There's a category, society and culture, and a subcategory, places and travel. And in that's where we live, in places and travel. And so I, I signed up for this charting thing, and I went back and looked at all of our stats. 
We are in yeah. places and travel. We're in the Russia top 100 all the time, up and down. Sometimes, like here, I gotta, I gotta pull it up because I sent all these to you in a flurry of just, I was just overwhelmed by. <laughs> I, I by was all overwhelmed these by your flurry. <laughs> so, like last December, we we were number eight, number ten in the Russian places and travel. Like that is big, big numbers, and we were That's number so cool. one sixty five in all of society and culture that day. Um, and then I started looking at other countries in the UK, thanks to. I think having just interviewed a UK Ian, which would be British, we were number 60. Um, yeah, 60, like five or something in places and travel in the UK. Like that's big, big numbers. But awesome. the biggest thing of all is that in the US subcategory of places and travel, last December, we hit number 70 but last june for one blotch on the chart in all of u.s places and travel podcasts we were number two that is how i mean did you figure out how this happened i don't care how this happened <laughs> all i know is that is it the chislik a, is it south dakota is that i what think happened? south dakota put us on the map I think the Chislik Festival last summer, I think there was a spike and a bunch of, I, I, I cannot, I can only imagine. But all I know is we've got a dot right up there. And so now I've started to get periodic emails. <laughs> they send me like a weekly update or something. Um, That's awesome. From this. So I just like, they write, hey, congratulations, you're doing well. And I open the email. It's like in Czech Republic, <laughs> you're number five in places and travel this week. That's great. That's awesome. So to all know, our Czech like, listeners, ahoy. That's how you say hello in Czech. I know. I you know. I remember. Uh, I was uh, an above average French student in high school, <laughs> and uh, we we our class went my uh, let's see sophomore year. We were a part of a statewide French competition, oh, uh, and specifically, I competed in. I like had a part in like a, we had to do like a five minute play or something. I don't remember in French, but. Sartre. Uh we got third in the state out of twelve. And I was really disappointed with third. But like perspective, you know, that means like you're the top three in the whole state, you know? And yeah. uh when you when you top seventy or sixty-five doesn't sound that impressive, but when you think about like how many podcasts are out there in the world, like that's probably gotta be top five percent that we landed a couple I'm of those impressed. days. You know? I mean, granted, yeah. I may not be the hardest to impress, but Anyway, guys, thanks for putting us on the chart. Let's keep it going. Share our podcast with your friends. So awesome. If there are ways that we can get the word of this podcast out, you think would be helpful, let us know. If we should bite the bullet and like open up some social media channel, you know, we could we could talk about it. We could do it. Well, Andrew, I think we had a great opportunity about ten minutes ago to make this a nice short episode. Um and- <laughs> <laughs> we kind of blew it. It passed like it always does. <laughs> there it went, flying by. Well, thanks again for listening. We'll see you when you get here.